Kissed you in my bed when I was staying away. I missed being in church when I was struggling to pray. I missed you at the table when I cooked up far too much. I missed your hand in my hand when I hungered for your touch. Oh, I missed you. Yes, I missed you. Yes, I missed you. I missed you in the bar when I was drinking here alone. I missed you in the mornings when it didn't feel like home. I missed you in my grieving. You were somewhere far away. I missed you on my birthday. It just didn't feel the same. Oh, I missed you. Yes, I missed you.
one day there will be such a gathering. I'm not sure whether you're aware, but it's a year ago today since we last met in Fitzroy as a full congregation. One entire year. And so thank you to the students for their welcome this morning. Can I say to them that we've prayed for them on Tuesday nights right throughout this year and the difficult year that they have had, for the difficult year that all of us have had. This is a service that we will be thinking about that year, perhaps more in the music than in the sermon, though the sermon will finally get there. Can I welcome you if it's your first time uh, on Fitzroy Online? I know there's many of you who have been with us the entire year and we're thankful to you. Please tell us who you are on uh, the website. That would be wonderful to be introduced and to see what we can do for you going forward. Can I also say that at the end of the service, don't switch off. People last week switched off. They missed me in my pyjama bottoms. Um, yeah, there's things happen after the service some weeks that are more humorous than others, but you can miss things if you leave the cinema too soon. And that's the case today because we're moving our announcements uh, from others uh, to after the benediction. So please do hang on until the very last thing that you see on the screen. One year and we've made it. It's not been easy, but we've made it. And I want to thank everybody behind the scenes, behind the screens, behind the sound. I want to thank everybody who's given us worship songs, who put their gifts into that. I want to thank everybody who's read and prayed. I think we've probably been uh, maybe upwards of 150 of our congregation being involved in some way in worship over the course of this last year. And if you haven't been asked, I hope you will be asked. And um, if you really want to take part, please do tell me. Um, but thank you to all the people who've read, prayed, sung, done the work behind the scenes. It has been immense. We never imagined we would have to do it. We never imagined how to do it. But here we are, and we've done it. It is well with our souls. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for getting us safe this far. For your grace and your mercy and your faithfulness and your love that has brought us through 52 very strange weeks. Lord, we're not out of it yet, and so we pray that you'll take us on from here. The grace that has brought us safe this far will be the grace that takes us on from here and leads us on from here. But we pray that one day there will be a gathering of Fitzroy. One day we will celebrate being together again. One day we will be in the welcome area sharing all the news we've missed over this time. One day, Lord. But in the meantime, we thank you that it is well with our souls because we have this love of God and that nothing can separate us from that love. We give you thanks for that most of all. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Remember is used seven times in the New Testament, all in the writings of Paul, and six times related to intentional prayer. Church literally means a gathering of people. Let us remember one another in prayer since we last gathered in person a year ago. Let us pray. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For you, Lord, chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in your sight. Long ago, you decided to adopt us into your family through Jesus Christ. You wanted us to enter into the celebration of your lavish gift-giving by the hand of your beloved Son. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of your grace that you lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, you made known to us the mystery of your will. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It's in Christ that we, having heard the truth of the message of your salvation and believed it, find ourselves home free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. A reminder that we'll get everything you, Lord, have planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Hearing about the faith of the people of Fitzroy in the Lord Jesus and their love for all God's people, we have not stopped giving thanks for one another, remembering one another in our prayers. We keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give each one of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know Christ better. But we do more than thank. We ask Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make each one of us intelligent and discerning in knowing you personally, our eyes focused and clear, so that we can exactly what it is you are calling us to do, grasping the immensity of this glorious way of life you have for your followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of your work in us who trust you. Endless energy, boundless in strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Today's reading is from John chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would take the bare bones and skeletons of my thoughts on these words in John chapter 3, and that upon the skeletons of my human thoughts, your spirit would put on the flesh and muscle of God and that these words would come alive that they would live in each of our homes as we watch and listen to this now 52 weeks after we've met as a congregation as a whole all the struggles we've been going through and continue to go through may these words come alive to dance in our hearts and our souls and our minds and to inspire us and correct us and encourage us and give us resilience and love for the journey ahead. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was struck this week by something that Gary Burnett said at the launch of his book, Paul Distill. Excellent book. Please pick it up. I love the way Gary 
contextualizes the text, how he sets it back into, uh, particularly the Book of Romans, into first century Rome. He's done that with his Some Sunday Nights. He's done that with his in the Paul and Ten series this time last year that has now become this book. And it, it opens up the scriptures and it gives us insights into the scriptures that we wouldn't have if we thought that uh, the Holy Spirit got somebody just to write it down on their tablet uh, last week, um, uh, some part of America or the Middle East or wherever. And Gary this week talked about the Roman context of God's love, that all the other Romans, Roman gods needed to be appeased but that here was this other message, this alternative message, this gospel of good news that God so loved the world that he gave that whosoever eternal life. God loves the cosmos. God loves people. And for the people of first century Rome who were going through all the hardships the violence, the illness the poverty the, uh, the, the disease, all that was going on around them that was an incredible message an incredible message of good news that God so loved the world Gary puts that really well in Paul Distilled and it was appropriate this week because I'm looking at what Isabella read for us earlier John chapter 3. And of course in the middle of this lectionary reading we have 3.16. 3.16. You don't even have to spell it out. When you have 3.16 on a billboard, people know what 3.16 means. Just last week, uh, Tracy uh, Cowan Henry, the Reverend Tracy Cowan Henry, uh, ministering uh, in the eastern states of uh, the US, who spoke during my sabbatical a few years ago in Fitzroy. Um, Tracy just put up on Facebook, 316, what does that mean to you, whether you're an atheist, a believer, or whatever else? And I have to say, my initial thoughts when I saw 316 and Tracy Cowan Henry's Facebook status, it wasn't all good. I mean, it's my most used verse. I don't think there's another verse. As, well, of course there is, John 10 and verse 10. But probably... Um, over the course of my entire 42 years following Jesus, I would imagine John 3.16 is even more used than John 10.10. It's Bible gold. It's got everything right there in these poetic words. Succinctly puts the gospel that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There it is, compactly, neatly put into this one verse. Oh, that part of it's good. But for me, when I saw on Tracy's Facebook status, it was tarnished. It's a verse that has been greatly tarnished, greatly diluted. There was a period, it might have been in the 80s and early 90s, when it was everywhere. There was that guy that went round the world and tried to get to the back of the green and the masters were 316 and then you would see him and it was the same guy because he was funded to do it. He would be at the Olympics ice hockey and he would be at some baseball match and he would turn up and then of course it went almost viral if there was such a thing as viral in the 80s and 90s. Uh, it wasn't viral in the web, it was viral in people behind stadiums and in crowds 316. And it almost became a number code. It's, it's use, it's overuse 
became its abuse and it became almost this gold, this Bible gold almost became like a cheap cliché, a branding. And what it did was, it seemed to me that the way it abused this incredible truth was to confine a massive truth of impact across the universe and domesticated God to some little decision that we as individuals make about God. And in doing so, the great gospel of God's salvation narrative was confined and trapped. Let me talk about my own experience of God. In a night uh, in May 1979, I had a 316 experience where I believed that God loved me. I believed that Jesus came to change my life. And I was the whosoever that believed. But here's the thing. At that point, and maybe for years to come, it was almost that John 3 and 16 was just about that. It was about uh, me in my bedroom, on my knees, sharing my petty little habits with God, um, saying to God, as a 17-year-old who had never been drunk in his life, I, I was trying to find sins that I could share with him, trying to say, oh, for the bad words and, and for the cigarettes on the bus on the way to play football at Antrim Forum, uh, oh, uh, forgive me and help me that I would go to heaven. And then it was like I got a formula, I got a system, and I got a personal God that I put in my pocket and he was all mine to jump to when I hadn't done enough work for my exams and, and I and I needed a God to help me out of that or a God to whatever I needed. John 3 and 16 interrupted my life in a personal way. Here I am. My friend Damien and I remember uh, when I was, I've probably told you this story, but uh, when I was in First Antrim, as assistant minister, I used to go to the Antrim Forum and play five aside. And one night we went with the elders. I think it was the only night the elders went and played five aside. And um, while we were in the dressing room after it, this guy walked through the door that I recognised from um, probably about ten years earlier, uh, probably less, probably seven or eight years earlier, when he was my best mate going through GCSE. But he left um, uh, after GCSEs and I hadn't seen him since. And so I looked at him and he looked at me for a while and eventually uh, we kind of pointed at each other and he went, scruff, no idea why he would have called me that. And I went lightning because he was, Damien was a big lad with a lot of football skills but he wasn't the fastest in the use of them. And we we laughed and smiled at seeing each other again. And then he asked that question that I was half dreading at that point with all my elders around me. He said, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm just playing with these guys here. Oh, and what are you doing in Antrim? And I said, oh, I live here now. And he said, oh, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm the assistant minister at First Antrim. And Damien's face just was like, what? And he said, something must have happened. And it did. 316 interrupted my life. 316 changed my life around so that here I am speaking into a screen trying to communicate these great truths of the scriptures oh something happened 316 did enter my life in a personal way 
But the problem I find is that we've confined it to that, to just me and God. And if I was the only person that ever existed, God would have come into my bedroom. No, God loved the cosmos. It was bigger than Steve Stockman. Steve Stockman becomes a glorious part of it and knows the love of God in that way. But this is much more massive than that. This is all encompassing. Of course God would love the cosmos. God, if we watch, if we read Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3, we see God putting the cosmos in place. This is his piece of art. And when it had all been tarnished and all went astray and when all kinds of things were happening around it, God came back in order to love the cosmos again. God so loved the world, the cosmos, that he came in order to give his son's life in order that whosoever would believe, but that the whole thing would be redeemed. This is about the light and the darkness of the reading that we've just had. This is about good and evil at its deepest, widest and more most damning. God's 3.16 is bigger than just my own petty little habits. It's about the evil it deals with the evil of Sarah Everard's tragic murder this past week. It deals with the evils of the universe. God loves. God interrupts. And it is far-reaching. The danger of the domesticating of it is that it does become formulaic. It's a sinner's prayer and a promise of heaven and a nice little middle class life. No, this is about the environment. This is about injustice. This is about poverty. This is about death. And when we domesticate it, when we, when we put it into a 316 formula, the danger then is that it becomes irrelevant to the world around us. I think that's why in Gladys's book, Grace, uh, considering Grace, the book, uh, the, about the Presbyterian Church during the Troubles and the different things that Presbyterians did during the Troubles, I think that's why in Gladys's book we hear stories about churches that continued on through the bombs going off around them without even praying about the bombs going off around them. They just read about spiritual things rather than realising that God so loved the world, the cosmos, that God came to redeem it all, that God came to deal with the evil and the injustice that was exploding all around them. And I've got a hunch that it's why we've lost a generation of 20 to 50 year olds because the tiny confined domesticated formulas like 3 and 16 branded just didn't answer the questions that their generation have had to deal with. And we need to see the vastness, the massive impact of John 3 and 16 and of this gospel of Christ. There's other things in this chapter that I would love to have brought out I want to just bring one of them out I'd love to go into the light and the darkness and I'd love to do that but I hope I can I hope I can get the magnitude of this uh, gospel into what I'm going to say about one of those little themes that's going on around 3 and 16 this idea of the serpent in the Old Testament um, that Moses 
um, held up and exalted this serpent and they looked at the serpent and found their ultimate repentance. It's the second lectionary reading today which if we were in church and we had more time we'd probably have read. It's Numbers chapter 21 and the Israelites are grumbling. We know about them grumbling. We looked at that last summer in the lectionary readings. They were grumbling and they were angry against God and God then became angry against them and he sent in some poisonous snakes and the snakes were biting them and then he said to Moses put a bronze snake on a on a stick and raise it up and get the people to look at it and when the people looked at this uh, bronze snake on the stick when they looked at this bronze snake that had been almost their punishment when when they looked at it they were redeemed and the repentance that they were bringing was fulfilled in God's love and mercy again the image they had in front of them of this snake became punishment and redemption all in one it dealt with the evil and it redeemed into the good and John here in chapter 3 likens that to Christ being exalted lifted up and we can't get away from the fact that that happens on the cross we survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died much as the Israelites looked at the wondrous bronze serpent with the evil and the redemption all in the one symbol and so when we survey the wondrous cross we're not only surveying the wonder of salvation oh we are but we're also looking into the heart of this cross where Jesus takes on all the injustice, inequality, gender imbalance, greed, violence, murder, war, sectarianism, racism. This is us looking at the darkness and the evil being dealt with. And as we look at that being dealt with and the sky goes black on that Good Friday because of it, we're also looking at the moment when everything shifts. When a great lever turned in the universe, Leonard Cohen called it. When this lever shifts and love changes everything towards resurrection and ascension and beyond. Surveying the cross, injustice, inequality, greed, violence, murder, war, sectarianism, racism, whateverism, and also love and mercy and patience and grace and faithfulness. The cross. As I've thought about that this week, it has intrigued me because seeing the numbers passage and the John passage together and realising that God had something in this seeing this exaltation or seeing these symbols uh, it made sense to me because in the 90s when uh, I was youth development officer for the church in the Republic uh, I would be driving across Ireland to Limerick or Cork or Donegal really very regularly and we would go through I would go through different towns and in most of those towns there was a Celtic cross and every time I saw that Celtic cross there was something in my soul that lifted 
Seeing the cross, it made a difference. Seeing the cross gave me something. I could never quite understand the mystery of it, but it lifted me. It helped me to believe at times when I was struggling to believe, or it just helped me to get through things that I was maybe going through. That cross became really, really important to me, looking at that cross. Now, I'm not saying that cross has any magical qualities of itself. What I'm saying is it's a symbol of what God has done for the cosmos. How he has responded to the darkness. How he has responded to the evil. And how he has brought love and good news and resurrection and hope into that dark world. When I look at the cross, I see that. I was given this gift a a few weeks ago by my friend Jim Deeds. He honed this out of wood and he came and he gave me it as a gift. It's called a holding cross. And I suppose my brothers and sisters in the Catholic faith would maybe hold it more than I would. And I don't see it as, there's nothing magical about this. But there's something when I see it that I I know something has happened. I know there's a moment in time when God did something. I see it as a place where there's a crossroads between evil and good and darkness and light. And where that can impact my own personal life. It is 52 weeks since we met. And I kind of wondered about that this week. And I kind of wondered, what could we do? How could I, what could I say? What could I, how could we mark it? And so I wonder if the cross is the way to mark it. I wonder if what we could do over the next day or the next week would be to find one. We have lots of them in our house. We have them in walls and um, Jim, we have bought Jim's crosses before. And um, But this is my special one now, but t- to look at it, maybe it's a necklace. And to look at the cross and to try and um, take the cosmic and make it coronavirus. We've suffered a lot during this time. We've felt isolation. We've felt loneliness. That has been a mental challenge to us. There have been family pressures. There's been business pressures. There's been grief. There's been lonely grief. There's been all kinds of things going on in our world. And we're saying that maybe for years to come, we'll have to deal with the mental health of that. That's dark. If we look at the cross, we can see that God has dealt with the darkness of this past year, these past 52 weeks. He dealt with it. He interrupted it. He went to the heart of the suffering of it. And then if we keep looking, we can see that here we are 52 weeks later, and we find resilience. We find imagination. We find inspiration. We find neighbours caring for us. We find some amazing comfort and grief that we never thought we'd ever find. In the midst of these last 52 weeks, we've discovered the faithfulness of God, the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the interruption of God. 
So to, to mark the year, maybe do that. Maybe sit and just survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died at the hands of the Empire. The Empire was his enemy. This wasn't just a personal petty habits thing. This was God dealing with the powers of the world. Massive. Cosmos. Huge. Evil. Darkness. But God so loved that he gave that whosoever believes should live.
generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he's with you he's with you in the morning in the evening forget to keep watching and listening after the benediction there is news about some Fitzroy things to be had and let's as we uh, have come this far through this coronavirus time and this prayer at the end of a Sunday where we've remembered each other we've thought about each other and afterwards we've gone to phone or text or message each other has been one of those connecting points so let's pray this as a horizontal connection with our brothers and sisters in the faith but also as a vertical connection with God as he pours his blessing out upon us for the week and the weeks and the months till we gather again. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.